parents love their newborn children. Parents will get up at any time of night that is needed to care for that newborn. No matter what they need, changing, to be fed, just to be rocked, just to be held. Right? Parents love their newborn children and will meet every single one of their needs no matter what time of day, no matter how tired they are. But parents also love it when those newborn children grow up too, right? <laughs> as much as we love that phase of their life, we like it when they start to become a little more independent and, and they can start to change themselves and feed themselves and, and tell us in words rather than with cries what they need. We also love it when our children grow up. But growing up and maturing is not just about physically maturing, right? We need our children to mature and grow up emotionally and mentally and socially. And very often children figure out those things on their own as they get older, but, but sometimes they need a little help, don't they? And sometimes parents need to encourage or, or give their children the tools to be able to, to mature physically, or emotionally and spiritually and socially. But you know, sometimes there comes that point in, in a child's life when, when they've been given all the tools, uh, when they know what they should be doing and how they should be acting, and, and a parent's frustration might start to boil up, and, and it might be the thought or maybe even the words that says, oh, come on, grow up. You know better. And especially when they're 18, 19, 20 years old, right? It's like, come on, grow up. Today, God has a message for you, his children, that it's time to grow up. And your heavenly father doesn't say that with frustration in his voice like an earthly father might. But he desires that you grow up in your salvation, that you mature in your faith, that you don't just stay a newborn in your faith, but that you would grow that you would grow spiritually. And I know that many of you are, are at different places in that life of spiritual growth. And I know that there are some of you here today who, who, who know that you want to grow more in your faith. You want to mature spiritually, that, that you need to. It's a desire of yours, and that's wonderful, and that's good, because today's message is going to speak to you. But maybe there's some of us on the other side of the aisle who think, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> that I'm, I'm pretty strong in my faith. I, I'm pretty good at translating that faith into living my life and doing good for other people. That, you know, I learned everything I need to know 40 years ago in catechism class. Well, if that's where you're at, well then listen to these wise words of Albert Einstein. When I learn that's when I realize how much I don't know. And that is no more true of things of this life than it is about your faith and about God. That the more you learn, the realize you, how much you realize you don't know. Or listen to these words of God, much wiser than Albert Einstein. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Or, if you think you are standing firm, be careful so that you do not fall. If we begin to start to think that, that we're fine in our faith, 
That my faith is strong enough where I'm at. It's, it's good. I don't need to do any more. Because well, I've gone to church since I was a baby. I come from a long generation of Lutherans. I go to church almost every Sunday. I go to Bible class. I read my Bible at home. God says to you that doesn't necessarily translate into having a strong faith and being spiritually mature. So be careful that you do not fall if you don't think you need to grow in your salvation, if you don't need to mature in your faith. So no matter where you're at today, if, if you know that you should and you really want to and desire to mature in your faith, or if you've been thinking, hey, I'm okay, I've been all right, well, then today's message is going to speak to you. We're in this series called God's Amazing Grace, and we are taking a look at that grace and how it changes our lives, how it changes our eternities, and what that means for us. And especially, not just as, as individual Christians, but, but as a church, how does that give direction to what we do here and who we are and why we exist, what our purpose is? And it all starts with that amazing grace of God. I, if you weren't here last week, we kicked off this series last week, and I told you in the sermon this was, this was the introduction last week to, to this series, as we focused on a vision full of grace that God promised that he had us in mind from eternity to save us, to make us his. And that God came to this earth himself in flesh to carry out that salvation, to do everything in, by the work of Christ to save us, to rescue us, and to be able to pour out that grace on us through him. And that vision full of grace spans into eternity, that God promises that you are his forever. Right, This vision full of grace that God has shown to us is the reason why we're here and gives direction to what we do and who we are. Right? It gives meaning and purpose to our lives as Christians and as a body of Christians gathered together here in this place at Heritage Lutheran Church in Gilbert, Arizona in 2020. And today, as we start to zoom in a little bit on this grace... And what it is we're supposed to be doing, God calls us, we see, to grow in that grace. To know that amazing grace of God and desire to, to know it more and more and more and more in our lives, in our church. So we can live in that grace and make that grace known to our community and the world. But first, we've got to be growing in that grace ourselves. To grow up in our salvation. To mature in our faith and that's what our lesson here this morning is about from 1 Peter. In this sermon series, we're taking selections from, from the book of 1 Peter. And here in this section, we hear God's call for us to grow up, to grow in that grace. Uh, so we're going to take a look at that. It was our second lesson, uh, if you want to look at it in the service folder. And for now, I'm just going to read the first uh, three verses, verses 23 to 25, and then we'll uh, read the other ones later. But this is what, what Peter writes. He says... For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands or endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. 
Peter, by inspiration of the Spirit here, says that you have been born again. And let's not, let's not jump over that, because that's just way too important not to dwell on for a little while. You've been born again, which means that you were dead. Paul writes to the Ephesians that you were dead in your transgressions and sins, but God made you alive with Christ as he brought you to faith. As he brought you to that knowledge that that Savior who died 2,000 years ago is your Savior. He brought you to life, to spiritual life, through that message of the Word of God. And he says that it is living, it is enduring, it is imperishable. And he quotes Isaiah 40. He says that everything in this life fades and dies, right? He says grass and flowers and people and, and all of our glories and all of our accomplishments, they all fade away, but that word of the Lord endures forever. And it is that word that was preached to you. At some time in your life, that word of God was preached to you, and through that word, the Holy Spirit worked faith in your heart to bring you to come to know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior from sin. And through that, you are born again. You, are take, you were taken from spiritual death to spiritual life. You were taken from being drowning in guilt to being washed clean with his grace. You were taken from an eternal destination of hell, and now heaven is your home. That you came, uh, that, that God came to you with this, this enormous debt of sin that you could not pay, and he says, look at a cross that's bloody and empty. They're all forgiven. Friends, you have been born again through the Holy Spirit working through that living, enduring, imperishable word of God. And that is the only way God promises that he works, through that word. You know, even think about the sacraments. You think about baptism and communion. It's not the word that gives us new birth. It's not, the, it's not the water that gives us new birth. It's the word that's connected to that water that gives it such promise and blessing. It's not bread and wine alone that comes and strengthens your faith and forgives your sins, but it's that gospel promise, that word of God connected to those physical elements that gives you faith and forgiveness and new life and salvation. It's that word of God, living and enduring, imperishable, that the Holy Spirit works through to come to bring you to faith. To know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. To give you that peace that your heart needs with your Heavenly Father. To give you that joy that you are free from condemnation in this life. To give you that hope that eternal life is waiting for you. That is all yours by God's grace through that Word of God. That living and enduring Word of God that brought you to faith and gave you new birth. And I could say amen right here. And that would be a full sermon. But that word of God does even more for you. That word of God, as the Holy Spirit works through it, not only brings you to faith, but it also keeps you in that faith. And strengthens you in that faith. And aids you to go and to be able to, to translate that faith into your Christian life. See, it's this living, enduring word of God that God came and brought you to life, but he says, but now it's also time for you to grow up, to mature in your faith, 
to not just stay a newborn in your faith, but to grow and mature. And God says his word does that too. And so go on with me, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. He says, therefore, because you've been born again, because God has brought you to faith through the Holy Spirit, working through that living and enduring word of God, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it, you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. It's interesting that, that God uses Peter to write these words. Because uh, if you remember a little bit about Peter from the Gospels, uh, and when he first came to faith in Jesus as his Savior, um, he was a little immature. He had these highs and lows, this roller coaster of faith. You think about the time where, where uh, you know, Peter said that, Jesus, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. And then very soon right after that, Jesus is calling him, get behind me, Satan. Because <laughs> he was trying to stop him from going to Jerusalem to die. Or the time that Peter was willing to take out his sword and fight for Jesus in the garden, but not long after that was running away afraid. Or when he told Jesus, I would die for you but then denied that he even knew him. Or even after Jesus rose from the dead, Peter's one of the first to go and see the empty tomb. But what does he do? He goes back home. And a little while later goes fishing. Back to his old lifestyle because he didn't get what it all meant. Peter is a perfect example in the Bible of someone who needed to grow up spiritually speaking, who needed to mature in his faith. And so Peter can speak from personal experience on the importance. Because you see him after the day of Pentecost. You see him after that Holy Spirit has come upon him and the other disciples, and he is filled with faith and his eyes are open to see who this Jesus is and what it all means that he is willing to put his life on the line, to stand before emperors, People who hold his life in their hands and willing to confess that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and nothing you can do can change that. Willing to put his life on his line as he boldly confesses his faith and preaches that gospel. Peter knew firsthand how that gospel changes you. How it matures you in faith. How it helps you to grow up in your salvation and that it's not just information anymore. Because that's what we're talking about here. Our growing in grace, our growing in faith, and growing in, in our maturity, maturity of our faith is not just knowing facts. See, I'm not just talking about that you know when Abraham lived, or who David was, or who wrote the different Psalms. Or that you could list all of Jesus' miracles. Or that you know who Matthew originally wrote his, his gospel to. Or, or that, that you can quote Bible passages, chapter and verse. Those are all fine things. Those are all good to know. But that doesn't mean that you're growing in grace. That you're growing up in your salvation. It, this is not about just learning information. This is about transformation. 
This is, how, this is about how God wants to take his word and plant it in our hearts and make it become part of us. That it's not just information, but transformation. That, that this word changes our hearts and our lives. That it changes how we think and how we act. Because what this word of God does, this living, enduring word of God, that is the tool that God uses to help us grow up in our salvation, it continues to point us back to Christ. These words are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing you may have life in his name. And that life is life right now. Yes, it is also the life to come, but life right now is changed and transformed through Christ who is revealed to you, who is those scriptures made flesh. Right? God desires to use these scriptures his word to transform you, to change your life. That you are growing in these truths, and these truths just don't become facts to you. See, it's, it's not enough just to know that a guy named Jesus died on a cross 2,000 years ago. Even unbelievers will admit that happened. But the fact that this Jesus who died on the cross died for my sins. He took my punishment so that I could be forgiven. That's transformation. See, it's not just having the information that God promises that he meets the needs of all of his creation and he, he takes care of everything, but, but that God takes care of every one of my needs, that there's nothing that I have to worry about, that no matter what, God provides for me. That's transformation. It's not enough just to, to, to know the information that there's a heaven and maybe even to describe, be able to describe what it's like. But the fact that that heaven, it's my home. It's my inheritance. It's where I will live forever because of what Christ has done for me. That's transformation. Do you see when those truths become real to you, how that changes your life? that you don't have to live in guilt, that you don't have to live in fear of death, that we don't grieve like the rest of men when our loved ones who believe in Jesus die. Right? That we have new purpose for our lives, that is to live for the one who died for me, to save me, to rescue me, to give me that hope of eternal life, right? This Message, this word of Christ that we allow well in us richly, as Paul writes to the Colossians. He says, it transforms you. It changes you from the inside out. So this is not a sermon. <laughs> this is not a plea for you to come to church more. It really isn't. It's not a request to sign up for a Bible class if you're not in one right now. It's not to open up your Bible more at home, like double your Bible reading. This isn't some sort of, want you to walk out of here with a checklist on, on how you're going to grow in your faith and, and these things that you have to do. This isn't just about sitting and listening and reading. Consider this analogy. You can, you can open up your fridge and stare at the food in it all day long. And it's not going to quench your hunger, is it? Right? You can sit down at, at a beautiful meal that's been prepared for you. That, oh, you just pick up the fork and eat it. 
But if you just sit there and stare at it, there's no benefit to you. So too this word of God. This word of God that, that when we take it in and we digest it, it nourishes us. It nourishes our faith. It strengthens us. Right? To come to this word, not just for information, but God, send your Holy Spirit to use this word for transformation. To make this word become a part of me and who I am. Because this word continues to lead me back to Christ, and that is who I am. I am clothed in his righteousness, and he now lives in me. Right? This is what God desires for you. God doesn't just want you to have faith. He wants you to have a strong faith. God doesn't just want you to you know, know that some of your sins are forgiven, but that all of your sins are forgiven. God doesn't want you just to you know, rely on him and call on him and praise him in, in the good times, yes, but also to praise him in the darkest and loneliest and most difficult times of life. And friends, these things are able to happen. God gives us the ability to do these things and, and believe these things and trust in these things as he transforms us through his word. Isaiah compares the word of God to a banquet, to a rich feast that God places before us. And you know what he says? He says, come. And you don't need money. Come and buy without money. Come and, come and just eat as much as you can. And that's the way God gives you his means of grace. He says, come, it's here for you. Everything you need, all the peace you need, all the hope you need, all the joy you need, all the forgiveness that you need, it's right here in my living, enduring, imperishable word of God. It's yours for the taking. Friends, let's stop starving our faith. Let's stop being malnourished in our faith. And let's crave this word of God. Let's make it our desire to grow up in our salvation, to mature in our faith so we can get a firmer grasp on, these, grasp on these promises that our God makes to us through Christ. Friends, let's desire to grow in this grace, to know this grace more and more and more because what else do we have? Because here we have the purpose of our lives. Here, we find why we're here. Here, we find in his word the new birth that we've been given in Christ. Here, we find the promise of that eternal life that waits for us. We have life in Christ's name. It's here in that living, enduring, imperishable word of God that you see Christ so clearly for you and in you and through you. Friends, let's crave this word of God. Let's grow up in our salvation for his glory, for our good, so that we might reach our heavenly home and that God might fulfill every promise to us. Amen.